And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to the Rainbow Coloured Shout Out Radio. I'm Andy Shorten. And I'm Steph Arnett on today's pack show. Bridgestone talked to us about Diabetes Week. Uh, me and Steph talked to the team behind Square. And Ivan catches up with an old friend of the show, Tom Marshman. Uh, all that and a lot, lot more. Plus, just me and Steph today. Uh, all coming to you on Shout Out. Evening, everybody. Very, very thin on the ground. How are we going to cope, Steph? We might have to like pretend to be nice to each other tonight. <laughs> uh, Love you, really. Maybe you know not, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure we'd have actually done this show together all these years if we actually really did didn't like each other. So, it's very true. Yeah. Very true. Uh, so, but I no. miss the team because usually, yeah. um, there's usually about four to six of us, isn't there, mm. in the studio at any one time? Yeah, and um, no one's around um, uh, tonight. So just uh, yeah, you and me. So yeah, um, good news from the church. Eh? I know. Yes. Um, do you want to give the listeners a bit of insight in case they haven't seen it though? Uh, yeah, the Methodist Church has become the largest religious denomination in Britain to permit same-sex marriage. Um, overwhelming vote at the Methodist Conference. 254 votes in favour with only 46 against. That's, Great result. Yeah, brilliant. So um, Now, I, I could be getting churches confused here, but I thought they locked into law that um, you couldn't get married in a um, religious establishment, a religious place. So does that mean they've now got to change the law? No, I didn't know that was a law. I thought that was just the thing to do with... I thought that was internal law with the churches. The Church of England, Protestant and the Catholic. See, this is where we need Terry, because he's he's Mr. Facts, he'd know. Do you want to phone a friend? (laughs) Well, it's not like you can take a 50-50, is it? This is very true. <laughs> or multi-choice. Yeah. So, um, and other news, did you see they've um, painted the crossing here in Bristol? Yep. Um, with yep, the, really with the, uh, the progress flag. Yeah, the progress flag. Yeah, which is uh, good. Which is really cool. Um, and we're going to be catching up with Pride next week, actually. Darren um, um, and Eve are going to be on. Um, and uh, before you ask, no, we have no more of an idea than, than you do. Um, but we know that some of the week events are going on. In fact, I think all of the couple of weeks' worth of events are going on. It's mainly the March and the day thing that's kind of uh, postponed at the moment. But we will ask the question, um, and I'm sure they will let us know if they know anything. Yep, so. indeed. Um, and, uh, there was. Uh, did you see the um, the captain of the England team? Obviously, um, <laughs> great news that we actually beat the Germans for the I first was time. Say, in a, well done, in England. A top match. Yeah, yeah. since uh, I, 1966. I was, I was out in the garden, and um, yeah, <laughs> when when that second goal was scored, and it was obvious we we won, etc. At the end of the match, you could just hear it all <laughs> all across Bristol. Yep. Everyone going, Rah! <laughs> yeah, well, it was the same here in Bath, and um, also the 
the captain, Harry Kane, he wore the uh, the rainbow flag as yes. an armband, yeah, and he was wearing rainbow laces. Yeah, yeah. good Very for nice him. To see. Well, well done, Harry. Yeah, because yeah. um, sports uh, is one of the ones that's still quite behind the times when it comes to um, equality, isn't it? Uh, it is, but um, also in sport vein, Irish rugby player Jack Dunn comes out as bisexual, um, mm. and they're saying kids will be able to use um, Jack as a role model. Cool. Uh, anyway, a very packed show, so sorry to cut you off, Steph, but we're going to move straight on, um, and um, we're going to catch up with Brigstow and find out about Diabetes Week. My five on Shoutout. Hello, I'm Robin, the peer support coordinator for Brigstow's Type 2 Diabetes Peer Mentoring Service, and today our volunteers and I are taking over the podcast. For Diabetes Week this June, our Type 2 Diabetes Peer Mentors shared their stories of living with the condition and journeys through a difficult diagnosis. How did you feel when you were first diagnosed with diabetes? Shocked and frightened, as I have a needle phobia. Once I was diagnosed with diabetes three months later, I felt as if I was at a crossroads. I'd done a little bit of research by then and I realised that I had a very stark choice to make, whether just to give in and go on to medication and go down the route of taking pills for the rest of my life maybe, or to take charge and attempt at least to change my diet, to take up exercise and to avoid the whole medicalisation route. Complete surprise. If I'm honest, I had no idea at the outset. Well, at first I felt a little surprised, then fairly unhappy. And after a while, a little relief that some previous symptoms, especially fatigue, could be explained away. What three things do you find are key to managing your condition long-term? Follow the advice that you're given, take your medications and keep an eye on your weight. I would say three things that I found key to a positive long-term outlook would be, number one, first of all, got to have the will to make a change. Being in a good place mentally would help considerably. And some support from like-minded people a huge help when you need to make those changes. The first thing I had to do when I was first diagnosed with diabetes was learn about proper nutrition and how to use food to possibly change my diagnosis. I didn't know that I could change anything with diet, but I felt that I had to try. So I taught myself how to eat in a low carb style which is obviously very different to how we are raised to eat in this in this country certainly so it was a quite a change but it's a change that I've managed to retain for the most part in a similar way a change to the way I move around the way I exercise because I decided that that also was a key to trying to avoid medication I decided to start running with the Couch to 5K NHS app. And today I still retain that routine of running several times a week. What I ate and drank and exercise. 
And finally, what advice would you give to someone who is newly diagnosed? Take the diagnosis seriously. It can be a life changer. I would say, having been there myself, don't be afraid. Don't let yourself get frozen and petrified like I did. You hopefully will be in a position where you will get offered a bit of help. And I would say, if there are genuine offers of help, for example, a course about nutrition or the mentoring course that we offer, do take it up because it will help you in ways that you may not be able to predict. Just to be able to talk to people who are working in the field or have personal experience will help you just to take a moment and to start to understand that you can actually change your situation. I seek professional medical advice, look for positives in your possible outcomes. For example, weight loss generally is good for you, physically and mentally. You feel better about yourself. Trust the health professionals who have particular knowledge and understanding of diabetes. To hear the full-length interview, head over to the latest news section of our website at www.brigstow.org. And if you're inspired by their stories and would like to become a peer mentor yourself, get in touch. Email info at brigstow.org or call us on 0117-955-5038. Thanks for listening. If you have a story you could tell in five minutes, get in contact. Visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Real little summary one, that one. Uh, that's Suave, Kiss Me, and that's uh, Pitbull and Mahombi. Uh, I, like I think one. we have kissed already, haven't we? <laughs> not for a Is long it time. Live on air? Not, not for a long time. So, <laughs> uh, 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 at the moment, I can gesture at the camera. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I really like that one. Really like that one indeed. So yes, very. Um, well, it's. I, I guess people are heading off for Ibiza. Yeah, the, for, well, they're hoping twenty four seven clubbing. Yeah. for a couple of weeks. Um, anyway, uh, let's get news headlines with um, Terry and Hands. <laughs> This is Shout Out News Headlines on Thursday, 1st, 21. Human rights activist Peter Tatchell, who cut his political teeth in groups such as the Gay Liberation Front and Outrage, was the guest of Scottish nationalist veteran Alex Salmon on the controversial news network Russia Today on Saturday evening. 
Despite Moscow's official policies on homosexuality and the wider LGBTQIA communities, the RT channel allowed a comprehensive and sympathetic interview with Mr Tatchell to go out, during which he reflected on his lifetime of campaigns. Moreover, Mr Tatchell revealed that he had a direct familial link to us in the West Country. He said that his family hailed originally from Somerset, dating back to the Tudor period. Megan Phelps Roper, a woman brought up in the notorious anti-Jewish and anti-gay God Hates Fag sect, who are known as the Westboro Baptists, documents her journey out of the hate group and towards tolerance and acceptance in wider society in her reading of her autobiography on BBC Radio 4 this week. The serialisation in 15-minute segments makes her heavy and unpleasant subject matter digestible. Ms Phelps Roper maintains that respectful and bridge-building reaching out to her from the LGBTQI plus and secular communities in America helped her to reach her decision to free herself from the violent cultists. The Progressive Christianity Network UK, which represents Britain's liberal and politically progressive Christian congregations, gives thanks this week for the astonishingly, astonishingly long life of formal Episcopal American Bishop John Selby Spong. He was the Bishop of Newark for 24 years until his retirement in 2001. Accessible to the lay person, Mr Spong's writings have inspired many liberal Christians and also helped to make LGBTQIA plus issues accessible to good people of faith. Many of Mr Spong's writings are available online at the portal progressingspirit.com. He has wished a very happy 90th birthday by progressive and liberal Christians and by LGBTQIA Christians everywhere. Well, we like to big up local businesses in our fair city and particularly those engaged in ethical trade. Gay-run design studio Hartsack, which takes its name from the word for bear in the Basque language, is marking summer by introducing a range of ethical reclaimed wood coasters, boasting some of the brand's iconic LGBTQIA plus and bear-friendly designs. Hartsack are a Bristol-bred company, but has an international feel. Their artistic director is Enrique, who is deaf from the Basque country gay and into the wonderful world of superhero comics can't you just hear the daily mail have an apoplectic breakdown in sports news chrysalis the south of england's leading charity trans and non-binary people are running a summer fundraising event inviting folks to get active and contribute towards a target of 2,000 miles to raise money for essential services such as counselling group sessions and training. There is no restriction on what sporting or exercise events you might want to take part in. Could be a sponsored walk, a marathon, jog or just exercises in your back garden. These can all count. Other ideas suggested by the charity include cycling, dog walking, dancing, stretches and lifting. To get involved, pop along to the group's website at chrysalisgim.org.uk. And anyone for tennis? That's the call that will be echoing across the gentle parts of our rainbow land this week as Wimbledon commences for a fortnight of sunshine afternoons, pims and gins. There have been several famous LGBTQIA plus players of lawn tennis, with lesbian athletes particularly well represented in the shape of Martina Navratilova, Billie Jean King and Jana Navonta. No wonder then that there are lively LGBTQIA plus tennis supporters and players groups on both the British and American sides of the Atlantic. Groups active in local and national tennis tournaments and as hubs for support include Northern Ace 
Aces Tennis Group, Brighton Area Lesbian and Gay Sports Society, South London Smashers and the International Gay and Lesbian Tennis Alliance. The web portal pridesports.org.uk allows you to sift through different clubs according to your area and level of proficiency. We were also pleased to note that during our web searches for inclusive tennis clubs, we found many, many mainstream clubs who boast vigorous equality policies. For these news stories in further detail and much, much more, you can check out our website at shoutoutradio.lgbt. And for shout-out news, this has been Hans Peregrine and Terry Starr. Shout-out news. National and international LGBT news for you. Terry there broadcasting from the well at the bottom of his garden. Uh, Stick with us, we're going to be talking about Square coming up next. (laughs) Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out podcast. Uh, That's a rapture. That's by uh, Nadia Ali. Another real kind of like clubby one. Feeling a bit like I'd be third, Steph. I like yep, it. I think so. <laughs> uh, I only went once when I was 19. I needed a week off when I got back to recover, but it was good. <laughs> but it was. 19 and gay in Ibiza. Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Um, although you, you say that, of course, um, back, back then you're talking 1997. Um, being gay wasn't quite as okay as it is now, um, back then. But uh, hmm. anyway. You, um, uh, were you sore? Like from the sun? Uh, well, no, because we slept most of the day and partied all night. So <laughs> that was kind of the dumb thing. <laughs> no, I remember, I remember going on a glass bottom catamaran and diving in the ocean, which is cl- a clear blue um, sea over there. You can see right around, down to the bottom. It's lovely. So, glass bottoms are nice, Sandy. They are, yeah. Anyway, Miss Smuts, <laughs> um, we caught up with a couple of people making. Well, it was it's a kind of like um, um, a crowdfund project, isn't it? They, they they were making an episode of something they're hoping to make bigger, aren't they? Called Square. Um, which is uh, all about um, uh, activism, which of course is something Bristol is very famous for. Um, and um, uh, we talked to Jacob Daniels and is it George Millman? I think that's his name, isn't it? Are you there? Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to play. I thought you were playing the piece then. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, have a listen to this. Now, it's always interesting uh, when Shout Out gets to go to the, the movies or the theatre. And um, those who have uh, listened to the show for quite a while know we've been to the movies uh, quite often. Um, and the theatre helping people along with anything LGBTQ connected. And we've got another one that's really, really exciting. And I'm joined by Jacob and George, both from Square. So, Jacob, first, can you tell us a bit of background to Square? Absolutely, yeah. So, um, I'm yeah Jacob Daniels. I'm an actor. Um, Square essentially was a project that I got involved in a couple of years back when in very, very early development process um, through George and Owen, and obviously George will tell you a bit more about that in a minute. Um, 
and essentially the project is I, I feel that it's just a, Br- a Bristolian project through and through it's about Bristolian themes in Bristol um, and kind of follows the the lives of this young group of students as they kind of explore what it is to I feel to kind of grow up and so looking at the way that their political beliefs interact and change and how that affects their friendships and relationships as well as kind of what the freedom of maybe moving away from home into a university environment and not having parents looming over you for the first time so for me from the actor's perspective i kind of feel it's a a bit of a coming of age story really where where why bristol is it because you're based here or or from research that you've done or well i i am based here i grew up in bristol um which is a bit different to owen because owen's actually from wales and owen moved to bristol from for uni i've lived in bristol all my life apart from a couple of years for uni a few years ago when i lived in colchester in essex which i think made me realize i don't mean this in an insulting way but it made me realize how lucky i was to grow up in bristol because in bristol i think there is this I call it a working class hipster sassiness. Uh, <laughs> like nice that. description. It's, it's a nice phrase, isn't it? I made it up myself. But there's, there's this feeling in Bristol that you can change things and you can develop things and you can create things and you can stand up to authority. So I have always been passionate about creating a show set in Bristol. And I know, you know, Bristol is quite a key place for TV development to happen. You know, we had, um, we used to have skins here, we used to have casualty here, we, mm. we had a few different things. But I think the most important thing is that I don't think any of those things had to be made in Bristol. Square does, Square captures the Bristol vibe in a way that I haven't seen anything else doing. Uh, because it is, it's about a group of people, all different backgrounds, different class divides, different ethnicities, different genders, different sexual orientations. But what they all have in common is a desire to create something and to do some good in the world. And I think that's something we don't see enough of on TV, actually. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you really are kind of like hitting the nail there with Bristol. It's very known for being quite progressive, so... Yeah, and I should also clarify that when I say doing good in the world, I don't just mean in one specific way either. Uh, I mean, there are different people who have different ideas of what doing good in the world might mean. Uh, I've got some ideas myself, but they don't necessarily correspond with all the characters or indeed all the likeable characters. It's more, it more stems from a desire to leave the world in a better place than where you found it. And I think that all human beings have that desire, really. We get caught up in fighting amongst ourselves, as in what will actually be the best means of doing that and the most effective means of doing that. But I think if we all developed a bit more of a dialogue and a bit more of an optimism about this, we could get a lot more done than we're actually doing so. And we could do so in a more harmonious way and that's something that I really hope that Square can achieve. Jacob, um, how did you get involved? Um, uh, Have you always done acting? 
It's actually a funny story. So I'm an actor by career. I trained at drama school here in London and um, I graduated a, f- a few years back now. Um, I've actually known George for a long time, but the irony of this is, you know, everyone always says, oh, it's who you know, not what you know and everything. But I actually had no idea that George was involved in this project until I was already cast in the role. So uh, a couple of years back in, in 2019, uh, they were putting out a casting call for essentially shooting a short kind of teaser trailer promotional video uh, where they were going to present a few very short snippets from you know what we would expect to see the style of the piece be like and I saw the character breakdown and thought oh that's you know it kind of suits me and so I sent off my details to them and this went to a, a different producer so I still had no idea that George was involved um, and then after I was, you know, I was um, given the role and sent off my self tapes and everything. And then we turned up for the first day of shooting, uh, and I went, "Oh my god, it's it's George!" And we kind of had this <laughs> weird double take moment where we went, "Oh, it's you!" Um, so that was a, a really nice kind of funny moment where you realise that you know the six degrees of separation suddenly turns out to be about one and a half or maybe even one um so that's how how i got involved and then since then you know i've stayed in touch with the with the team um and as as we moved into production of our pilot episode earlier this year um you know they were very persistent in making sure that we were still part of the project which was really lovely and you know it now feels like we're part of this creative process from from start to finish and so it's really nice to be a part of this project all together kind of throughout the the process so where whereabouts are you with the project i mean you just mentioned there that the, the tv pilots um being done and shot but um obviously i'm, I'm guessing you're here talking to us because this is a bit bigger than than just that where, whereabouts are you with it are you looking for more people to cast and um you know give us a bit of background on that I should also clarify, I did know who you were before we turned up on the day. Yes, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just didn't know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, where, what, 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 was I, what was I? Are we looking for... Uh, no, we're not looking for more people to cast right, uh, right as of yet, because at the moment we, we've just shot the pilot episode. Um, that's got quite a big cast in it. I think it's got about 16 people, give or take a one or two. Um, so is it, is it back to writing now, then? Uh, yeah, Owen and I have been spending the couple of weeks since we, I think it's been about three weeks since we finished shooting it, um, and Owen and I have been spending most of that time writing scripts for what we intend the series to be, because mainly we wanted to do it now, because we both knew we were going to be on a huge come down after we'd shot the pilot <laughs> episode, and we thought we have to do something productive during this time, you know. But um, no, uh, we are spending a lot of time focusing on promoting the screening which is going to be at Watershed uh, in November Uh, and this is what we're going for really because this is a pilot episode we're uh, showing this screening to industry professionals we've got a few people that we've invited to this screening however we're also inviting the public to it Uh, it's openly available you can buy tickets on Eventbrite and the reason we're doing that is that this is a grassroots project. You know, it, it hasn't been particularly made behind closed doors. It's been done very out in the open and through a process that's involved talking to a lot of people, hearing a lot of stories, um, basing incidents in the show on things that have happened uh, in real life or whatever. We really felt that the public deserve a chance to see this and also 
the fact that the more people enjoy this, the more people, the more chance we have of getting this commission for television. Because that's our aim really. We're inviting some industry people to this. We're hoping that it's going to uh, get commissioned and put on TV at some point or maybe as a web series. Not quite sure about that yet. But in order to get that happening, we need to prove that there is an audience for Square. And we know there is, but we need to prove that to industry professionals. So that's what we're uh, aiming towards at the moment. It's on November the 6th at Watershed. Uh, tickets are open to the public. Uh, you can get them for £15 on Eventbrite. Um, and it, I should also clarify, it's in the morning of November the 6th. That's a Saturday. It's at 10 a.m. 10 uh, and yeah, uh, come down. We're going to have a great time. Jacob, um, can you tell us anything about your role and um, a little bit about the pilot without obviously um, giving us too much detail? I can do my best. George, please cut me off if I, if I start talking too much. Um, yes, so essentially I play Justin Adams. He's a young, uh, new university student. He's recently moved away from home. He's living in a shared house, you know, the way that many, many, many of us have done. Um, and essentially he's just starting to explore this new freedom that he's got. So, you know, without giving too much away, he's learning more about how he defines his own sexuality. He's exploring and experimenting. Um, and he's also quite involved politically. Now, whether that is for genuine reasons or whether that is for, shall I say, clout amongst his peers is kind of, something that is to be to be discussed and discovered as we go um but he's very involved with this kind of activist scene which again is something that i definitely feel is very bristol heavy i mean if you think back to this time last year with the toppling of the colston statue and even more recently some of the scenes that we've seen outside bridewell and we follow some of some characters that could essentially have been involved with some of these things on both sides i think it's important to add you know this is not necessarily pushing one particular agenda we are definitely looking at uh kind of both sides of, of everyone who's involved with this and for me that's something that i find really attractive both as an actor and as a as someone that's just interested in this story is that it is this kind of more balanced view that we get to see you know george kind of touched on it that no one is just good or no one just does good things we all have multiple sides and facets to our characters and I definitely feel that Square is a, a character-driven piece that is about people rather than, you know, a situation that, that we follow these people around, if that kind of answers your question. George, can I ask, um, you said that obviously you, you spoke to lots of people and um, been influenced by lots of events ago. Is this technically, though, um, fictional? It is definitely fiction. There are some plot lines and devices that we use in the stories which are loosely based on things that uh, have either happened that people have told me about or that I've read about in articles. For instance, uh, in the script for the second episode, which we've uh, just finished writing, uh, there's a protest outside a weapons factory called Cold Steel. Now, Cold Steel is not a real company. It's absolutely fictitious. There are actual weapons factories based in Bristol uh, that inspired some of my writing, but it's not actually a, um, a real company. But yeah, m most importantly, I think in terms of making it fictitious, 
uh, the characters are completely original and completely unique. There are occasional character traits that have uh, come about through people that I've met at social justice movements. I think that a character like Justin, who's uh, the character that Jacob plays, is someone I've never seen on TV before, but I've definitely met a few different people that inhibit a few of his characters um, right. uh, uh, throughout my political activism. Uh, as, as we all do, we take inspiration from the world around us when we're writing, but yes, it's definitely fiction. Cool. And even I've just learned something new. Though I've lived in Bristol for 25 years, I did not know that we had someone that manufactured weapons here. So uh, interesting what you learn when you um, interview people, isn't it, Steph? It certainly is, yeah. But we've run completely out of time, I'm afraid, Jacob and George. But so people can keep in touch and um, keep tabs on you and what you're up to, um, your social media, please. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, it's... On, on Twitter, we're at square underscore TV drama. And on Instagram, we're at square underscore drama. And both of those uh, links will also have fairly prominent links to our Eventbrite page where you can buy tickets to Watershed in November. Cool. Well, okay. thanks ever so much for joining us, um, both of you. Um, perhaps what we'll have to do is catch up with you a bit closer to November as well, seeing as it's, yeah, it's yeah, quite yeah, early at the moment. Sure. Um, yeah. and, uh, and you'll also have to let us know how well it goes in November. Because um, if you get, get it on TV, it'd be lovely to talk to you again about it. Definitely, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Oh, I love the music today. That's uh, Club Can't Handle Me by Flowrider. Oh, I wish nightclubs were open. Soon, uh, hopefully, 18th of July, I think, isn't it? Yep, or all around your place. <laughs> yeah, I think my husband might have something to say about that. I'm sure in your mansion you'd get a hundred thousand people. <laughs> Have like party out the front. So it's a shame. I was kind of so looking forward to Pride, and uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I mean, Those people will be looking forward to lots of things. But you know, back to normal soon. Fingers crossed. I've got my my second injection tomorrow. Nice. So then I'll be double double dipped as they keep saying so uh, anyway um, it's not very often we have Ivan on the show these days um, but um, he recently caught up with uh, an old friend of um, uh, shout outs um, a guy called Tom Marshman um, and they're talking about um, an upcoming event uh, have a listen to this now, Tom Marshman is a well-known and, dare I say, loved performance artist based right here in Bristol. And he's heading to Western Supermare, bringing to life his latest performance piece. It's called Brothers Across the Decades. And he's here with me now. Hello, Tom. Hi there. How are you? I'm great, thank you. And, you know, I was thinking about how you must be feeling at the moment. You must be so glad to be able to feel, perform in front of a live audience that you can actually see for the first time in a long time, surely? It's going to feel pretty strange, I think, because I've just spent most of the last year and a half performing in front of a laptop. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it must it must have been very sort of like odd to, to be doing that. But uh, you're back in the thick of it now, uh, thank goodness, along with a lot of other people, performance artists as well. But with this particular piece, why Western? What's the connection there? So um, in the early 90s, I did my BTEC in performing arts in Western. Um, so it's been a sort of bit of a kind of personal journey going back there and interviewing people that I used to know and doing a bit of the kind of old school reunions, really. So it's it's been a bit of a labour of love going back to the place and revisiting some of the stuff that we performed in during that BTEC and meeting some of the people, really. What can audiences expect from the evening with you? Well, I suppose it's like personal storytelling with lots of vignettes of like, I mean, some really great musical numbers, um, including Ebenezer Good um, and uh, YMCA. (laughs) So Uh, you're going to get people on their feet, are you, do you think? I don't know if that's permitted. I think they can do the definitely do movement in the in the chairs. So just, um, yeah, I don't know the regulations fully. It's going to be uh, a bit like entertaining people in in a in an older person's home, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> Sitting in your chairs doing your exercises and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but probably. My, my understanding is, uh, I guess, from a historical perspective, it, it sort of begins with your, I guess, I don't know, coming out maybe, but set in the in the nineties. That was that was a, a really difficult period to be gay wasn't it or to come out as gay well i think i was so i was coming out as gay when all this was happening around me so uh, the it references and really is is a i guess i think the piece is a bit of a love letter to someone that i used to know and he was the first person that i knew that died of aids um in the early 90s um so it's a bit of a homage to roger who ran the cafe who we all used to frequent but i think at that time just being 17 and being young and naive i didn't really know how to process that information and aids was something that really terrified me emerging as a gay man just felt really yeah terrifying really and it wasn't just the age crisis was it because section 28 was still around so there was no help there was no kind of education out there for for young people who were coming out you know it was the government's very own stamp of disapproval and it was very much in place back then wasn't it yeah and i think that sort of that kind of um, those kind of beliefs really run through the way that, that you can live life with that sort of, even now, actually, there's that sort of hangover of, of shame from that from those days, really, I think. Well, knowing, having seen your performances before, Tom, I, I know that there are bound to be equally uplifting moments during the show as well, surely. There certainly are, yeah. There's there's lots of prancing around with chiffon, which is something that we used to do a lot at Western Tech. <laughs> and, and, and I understand that. And we even get a 90s DJ set in to boot as well at the end. Is that right? It's right, yeah. There's a disco, disco bobulator coming in after. So, yeah. So a bit of fun. Get, you, get your requests in. Wonderful stuff. So this is part of a series called uh, Live at the Quarry. It's on from the 1st until the 17th of July. Lots of different performances. Um, I know yours uh, is on Saturday at least. If people want to get some tickets, uh, where do they head to? 
I think the best place to get tickets is on the Theatre Orchard website. And the Theatre Orchard are the people that are organising um, the whole season of stuff at the quarry. So, yeah, look for um, Tom Marshman, Brother Across the Decades, on that website. And then also there's other things that might take you fancy too. Brilliant stuff, Tom. Well, I can't wait to, to see you in the flesh, so to speak, after such a long time. And uh, just break a leg, won't you? Thank you. I'll try. <laughs> For more information about Shoutout Radio, visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shoutout. LGBT radio for you. The Shoutout Podcast. Uh, proper Ibiza clubby one, that one. That's a Great Spirit by Armin van Buren. Um, there's some amazing YouTube videos of uh, fantastic um, laser and fire displays um, if you do a search for that one. Very ethnic American. Mm. Your cup of tea or not? Oh, I love Armin van Buuren. I do really you? do. Oh, yep. um, his, my favourite album is, is Universal Religion Part 5, and the favourite track on that is Fight the Fire. Nice. Um, with Andy Moore and Susan McLaughlin. Absolutely nice. brilliant trance track. Yeah, I think that's from um, the mid 20 teens, somewhere around 2014, 2015. I think that came out. So, yep. Yeah. Um, just as a heads, yeah, just as a heads up to everyone. Although the um, Pride marches haven't been going on right across the UK, there is a pop-up Pride march um, being oh. organised by Peter Tatchell, but it's a, a rebellious one. So it's um, <coughs> so you take your own grub to and take your own uh, soft drinks, no alcohol, please, um, and you meet on the twenty fourth of July. That's a Saturday, and that's. <coughs> 1pm in Parliament Square and you're marching to Hyde Park Nice Yeah Yeah Yeah. I reckon that's going to be a biggie Well there was a a time there was a time when all those marches were very very much uh, you know political well not a political statement they they were statements to say we're here we're queer listen to us yeah. Uh, well, I think this is going back to its roots. Mm. Yeah, this one's going back to its roots. Um, but it's being sponsored um, by Diva Magazine, uh, Black Pride, and the Peter Tatchell Foundation. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, Peter's done some amazing things. So, he and um, I bet, has. bet he'd yeah. have a thing or two to say about the likes of Hungary and. Um, and the like. Yeah. Well, did you see the? It got worse because the the, the Czech um, president actually said that he finds uh, trans people disgusting. Uh, he said g- gay people are okay. Oh, you know that's nice of him. People, those people are those okay. Those people. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, but he thinks trans people are disgusting. Uh, so um, yeah, he took a hit, especially from the, the European Union, of course, which are sanctioning uh, Hungary. Well, yeah, they should do. Um, I mean, Europe has laws against this kind of thing, doesn't it? And if you want to be part of Europe, you should. You should yep. adhere to them. Yeah, if they exactly. say as we leave, but <laughs> uh, yeah, let's not exactly. let's not talk Brexit. It's been, <laughs> been been a horrible conversation this year. Brexit. Please let so, us back in. <laughs> yeah, I never wanted to go. I thought one of the really nice things was someone someone like made um, you know the union um, the, the European Union flag with the, the stars on it. Some, someone yeah. had taken one of those and didn't they shine it on the white cliffs of Dover or something? And it said, "Here's our star. Hold on to it for us" or something. I thought that yep. was that yep. was really. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it was. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and I've just yeah. seen fo- first photos going up. Bristol Pride have been posting while we've been uh, recording um, with them stood on the uh, rainbow zebra crossing well not zebra yeah, we crossing we need to get a, up there and we do an Abbey Road style yeah <laughs> so or we should all dress in the different colours and make like um, uh, a human version of the Lego one have you seen because Le- Lego have released released it uh, my husband bought a set we, we never do Lego <laughs> but, but we did uh, and we okay. sat there and put it together so okay. have you not seen it um, we'll just leave it there shall we you and Carl playing with Lego hey okay. don't don't knock the Lego I know a lot of gay men who love their Lego who will not be happy if you knock the Lego yeah Lego Lego no won't Lego <laughs> So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, I, I, we don't know what's happening, but we'll catch up with Pride next week and um, and find find out. I mean, the, the the two weeks there are quite a few events going on, but I don't know if yeah. they have any plans to do um, the march and like at later date. Um, fingers crossed. Yeah. You never know. Never know. But um, will be revealed. Mm, yeah. Covid is putting spanners in the works, isn't it? So uh, anyway, that's it for uh, today's show. If you want to find out more about us or hear um, our other shows, do check us out online. ShoutoutRadio.lgbt is the place to head to. Also, if you'd like to get involved in the show, you'll find ways to contact us there too. Uh, as we've been saying, uh, next week we are talking to Bristol Pride, as well as a lot of other things in the show. So, uh, same time, same places, same stations, uh, all on podcast. But from myself and Steph, from Hans and Terry, and the rest of the Shoutout team, say bye-bye. Thanks, peeps. Bye. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you.